let's move on. I found it interesting. The SEC has announced that it's going to uh, take enforcement action against Coinbase. I think this is not a good time to to be in cryptocurrency. I mean, they pulled down that bank back in New York because it was a crypto-based bank. Lots going on. I mean, we still have, you know, the the big trials waiting ahead, Sam Bankman-Fried and the rest. This is going to be a bad year to be, in, to be anywhere near crypto, I think. You would think, uh, because, right, they lost a bank, the exchanges are going down, the big stars, there's even ex- increased scrutiny around Binance. If Binance goes, I don't even know where you trade exchange crypto now besides Coinbase. Coinbase yeah. just got a Wells notice. We will find out. We may, by the time you're listening to this, know exactly what the enforcement action against, what the charges are against Coinbase. Their stock is down. You would think it's a rough time to be in crypto, unless you've been holding Bitcoin through all this or Ether. And Bitcoin, yes, <laughs> yeah, as we speak, tops 28, 29,000. It's been on a hot streak. And it's strange because go back to the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank. And yes. we're still in this era and this aura, I would say, of banking cloudiness and concern. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Friday, March 24th installment of the Silicon Insider, the only uncensored look at life and business in the Valley. My name is Mike Malone, and I'm here with special contributor Scott Budman, technology reporter for NBC Bay Area. Our producer is Jordan Henderson, our East Coast correspondent is Bob Grove, and our host, as always, is the Silicon Valley Business Journal. Okay, Scott, uh, TikTok. We knew this day was coming. It's been kind of interesting to watch the testimony of the uh, CEO of TikTok, uh, Shu Zi Chu, in front of what Wen Wag called the most bipartisan <laughs> committee in Washington right now. I mean, the Republicans and the Democrats went after this guy, Hammer and Tong. What'd you think of it? I think I agree with you. I think that this was a two-sided fight instead of a three-sided fight. There were a few uh, representatives, largely Democrats, who were defending TikTok and the CEO. But for the most part, uh, this has been the one thing, and we've talked about it before, that is uniting both parties, their fear of China and therefore their fear of ByteDance, which owns TikTok. And for the first time, we could actually see congressmen talking about technology they understood, sort of. <laughs> sort of. Yeah, I mean, they got some things wrong, but they did get a lot right. And it's almost like some of these representatives spoke to their kids and grandkids before the hearing. And the interesting thing is some brought up, including the CEO, that, hey, data is a problem for the other social media companies as well. He brought up Cambridge Analytica and Facebook. But what really I think is the star of the show is the paranoia about the Chinese government and our data. And that really does make TikTok different from the other companies. Yeah, though some people are saying WeChat may be next on the block, you know. Maybe. Maybe. So he basically, uh, Chu claimed that we aren't sending this stuff to the Chinese government that, um, you know, we're not really the threat that you're presenting us as. Meanwhile, uh, Representative Kat Kamek of Florida said, you are an extension of the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, And then uh, Chairman Kathy Morris uh, Rogers from uh, Washington 
asked whether the platform said question where the platform used content moderation tools to remove posts about the government's treatment of the Uyghur ethnic group and Tiananmen Square. Now, I think we've heard, we've anecdotally heard you can't post anything about Tiananmen Square. It, it, were his denials just hollow or did he have something to back it up? It's a good question. And, and I think Representative Rogers was really on target with a lot of her criticism. And it is, he was in a hard place. Uh, a couple of times he said, I don't know that we do this we don't uh, purposely do this. And a couple of times she said, look, if I don't get 100% of an answer, I'm going to consider that a no, that you really don't have a way to protect our data from this type of thing. And part of the concern that has been cited is not just that the Chinese government may have access to the data of TikTok users, but that it could flow the other way as well, propaganda towards a pro-Chinese position and perhaps an anti-American position, i.e. anti-capitalism. And young people traditionally are open-minded about this and sort of like, hey, maybe capitalism is bad. And the concern is that that's going to be filtered through TikTok from the Chinese government to the users. And that's a tough one. He really didn't have a good answer for that. I don't know that there is a good answer for that other than completely spinning TikTok off from ByteDance into the hands of an American company so that your data concerns can be what the same data concerns we all have about YouTube and Twitter and Facebook, et cetera. Okay, so what's the end game of all of this? You know, is Congress just trying to score points? I mean, we already have TikTok banned from government platforms, from phones and everything else. Uh, a permanent ban from the United States, a forced sale, you know, I noticed the, the American Civil Liberties Union came out against any kind of banning of TikTok, saying that it was, you know, as they're always concerned with, creeping interference in the First Amendment. Right. Um, the end game, it looks worse and worse for ByteDance. It's almost as if ByteDance was waiting for one side of government in America or another to cave in, and they haven't. It's sort of been the negotiation with the tactic of, we can walk away from this. And yeah. ByteDance has so much money to make from this. I mean, TikTok is sitting on a gold mine of advertising revenue, of potential IPO revenue. They have thousands and thousands of employees. Um, I mean, this is an economic force. And if America is really in for the long game here to say, we will walk away and we will ban this, there has to be some sort of a spinoff, I think, um, because yeah. ultimately there are jobs to be lost and, and money to be lost, yes. But the users traditionally have found another place to post. And that's got to be ByteDance's big worry is that if TikTok goes away, there will be a hullabaloo for a while and then people will go somewhere else. I mean, you look at the stock prices of- Start putting money into startups to compete. Yeah. Right, I mean, the stock prices of Snap and Meta They've done really well during this, and even today they were both up on the on the hearing. You know, as I watch this, I find myself thinking it seems almost like it, the fact that they're not willing to say we're going to open up everything. You guys look at everything we do, monitored by every day, and see that we're not doing anything wrong, and that way we will maintain you know good relations in the U.S. But in a sense, they're just saying no, we're not. We're not doing this stuff. And everybody's going, but yeah, you do. 
we have anecdotal information you do and they're not addressing that i mean it seems to me you can say well they don't understand american business but that's that's bs because they managed to organize a rally of supporters in dc uh, yesterday in support of TikTok. So they know how the game is being played inside the Beltway. So why aren't they opening the books? Why aren't they you know, saying, you, you could, we'll prove to you that we're not sending this stuff. We're not part of the, the CCP. We're, we're going to do it, you know, do it straight. Why aren't they doing that? I mean, I think every day, every hearing, every, you know, uh, promise from a government official on the U.S. side, brings ByteDance closer to understanding that is ultimately the end game. They've got to spin this thing off uh, and open it up or else. And I'm surprised and almost impressed by the solitude, by the, you know, how how two sides have come together uh, to, to join against this. And, um, you know, I think the other tech companies, the other social media companies, sure, their stock prices are going up and they have the short-term sort of glory of ha-ha, you know, we're going to get those TikTok users. But if this works, um, I can't imagine that we won't see increased um, scrutiny of the metas, of the YouTubes, of the Twitters, of the Snaps in the future. And so I think the smart move is, yes, prepare for more users if there is indeed an end game here, but also, you know, shore up your own, your own uh, privacy world here, because we know that privacy is really just not much of anything that you get on any of these social media companies. Yeah. Do you think they don't understand that American companies can get away with more than they can because it's the Chinese Communist Party connection? No one, well, a lot of reasons to object to TikTok because it's rotting our kids' brains, but that's not what this is about. Correct. This is about the connection with an adversary that you don't you don't look at facebook and go or meta and go yeah but you know they've got the soviet union behind them that isn't happening these are american companies no matter how widespread they are but this is different it is i mean the other companies you could say that facebook has uh russian backing you could say that twitter has saudi backing because of the investors um but you're right this is cut and dry by dance is a chinese owned company we are right now at something of a Cold War kind of skirmish, at least business-wise, with the Chinese government, with yeah. China. And that puts this in the spotlight. And you can call that unfair. You can call it uh, different treatment than the other guys are getting. But the fact is, uh, Trump ran against China, Biden to an extent. There is uh, something of a Cold War going on. And I think that's why TikTok is in the spotlight right now. Yeah. Okay. Uh, let's move on. I found it interesting. The SEC has announced that it's going to uh, take enforcement action against Coinbase. I think this is not a good time to, to be in cryptocurrency. I mean, they pulled down that bank back in New York because it was a crypto-based bank. A lot's going on. I mean, we still have, you know, the, the big trials waiting ahead, Sam Bankman-Fried and the rest. This is going to be a bad year to be, to be anywhere near crypto i think you would think uh because right they lost a bank the exchanges are going down the big stars there's even increased scrutiny around binance if binance goes i don't even know where you trade exchange crypto now besides coinbase coinbase yeah. just got a wells notice we will find out we may by the time you're listening to this know exactly what the enforcement action against what the charges are against coinbase their stock is down 
you would think it's a rough time to be in crypto unless you've been holding Bitcoin through all this or Ether and Bitcoin. Yes. <laughs> yeah. As we speak, tops 28, 29,000. It's been on a hot streak. And it's strange because go back to the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank. And yes. we're still in this era and this aura, I would say, of banking cloudiness and concern. It makes sense on one level that say the price of gold has gone up. That's a safe haven. But the price of Bitcoin has really gone up as the banking concerns have risen. And is that where we are as a country that Bitcoin is somehow a safe haven? I can't believe I'm even saying that. I know it's unbelievable. Well, let's talk about banks. Uh, we have to re we got to revisit Silicon Valley Bank. Um, apparently, there's a whole bunch of private credit investors looking at, you know, bidding on the auction of the uh, 74 billion dollar loan portfolio of the bank. Apparently, they're not as impressed as they thought they were going to be. That, um, well, let me read what it says. They're, the FDIC is auctioning off the loan book. And um, they're really having trouble. A lot of uh, Blackstone, Apollo, Carlisle, Sixth Street, and HPS investment have been looking through that uh, book and the loan book, and they're saying, "Wow, these these were on incredible terms, and it's different from anywhere else because it was Silicon Valley." And now there's a concern that federal government's going to get holding a big bag if none of these guys actually participate in the auction or they get it for a penny on the dollar or something. What do you gather from all this? Was SVB operating on the on the edge of illegality or is it this is a Silicon Valley phenomenon where you're you're giving credit to entrepreneurs and startups betting on their future and all that? I mean to take that piece by piece as a non-banking expert, I would say A, yes, Silicon Valley Bank was fairly unique in its relationship with venture capitalists and with startups. That we know because we've covered it for years. So it was a little bit unique. People appreciated that. Even as they fled and pulled their money out of the bank, many VCs told me they did it with regret because they appreciated the support they got. They just didn't want to be the last one holding the bag as their startups needed to make payday. I heard the same thing. I heard it from a, major, a woman who's one of the highest ranking women in Silicon Valley today. And she said the same thing, you know, you got to get away from the blast zone. But she said, I really liked those people. I loved working, uh, dealing with that bank. They were very good to us. And it's a heartbreaking thing. But, you know, if everybody else is heading, running on the bank, you got to take care of your, your, you have a fiduciary responsibility, take care of your own company. Right. And we did hear that from a lot of VCs and a lot of CEOs of startups. As for everything else, I, I don't know enough to comment other than to say traditionally when we see bank bailouts or bank failures or bank backstops, when you get to the point of opening and looking under the hood, isn't it always uglier than we assume? And every enterprise is uglier when you look under the hood. Okay, that's fair. And so I'm not surprised to hear that once again, it turns out when a light is shown on these things, the under the hood picture is a lot worse than we sort of saw as outsiders. Yeah, they listed uh, three problems. First, the yields generally fall short of the returns that big uh, private credit funds promise their investors. Second, the loans were not rated by major credit rating agencies. 
potentially deterring potential bids. And third, big banks, including Wells Fargo and Citicorp, have been scaling back their subscription line businesses, making them less likely to bid for these loans. So, well, as they say, it's the old line that all great fortunes begin with somewhere in the past, have a great crime. I'm not sure SVP, apparently on the, at the last minute, they were scrambling as hard as they could to find enough money to save the bank. And I don't think we feel felt all the, I mean, First, First Republic is one damaged, you know, bank around here. And there have been going to be others around the country, but I don't think we, the loss of that culture in the Valley, I think is going to have implications for years. I mean, that was a bank you went to, that was a mark of your success. If you had gotten venture funding and then you, the money they gave you, you put in SVB. That was, you know, to make it in Silicon Valley, that was part of the process. Right. They were very unique in that way. I think people are looking at that differently than they look at Signature Bank or First Republic or even Schwab and certainly Credit Suisse. But I don't think we're done with this. The mid-sized banks, the smaller banks, the regional banks, if you will, are all under a microscope right now. And people are moving their money around to the larger banks because I think they're concerned about exposure, the kind of exposure that they had in SVB. In fact, 90% of the people, depositors in Silicon Valley Bank, you know where they went? JP Morgan, 90%. If you're going to go to the you know, a big bank, you don't get much bigger than JP Morgan. And right. that's what they all went. Um, still, it's going to be interesting to see. I'm, I'm intrigued that we keep coming up with the fact that the, the top people in some of these banks sold a lot of stock recently. I mean, didn't surprise me SVB, First Republic. I mean, those guys were always, they were the, they were the regular people's gold standard around here. And now we've find out even they were selling stock uh well, and, that and is, look a little bit guiltier than we thought i think right and it's not just the selling of the stock to find out that this bank especially svb did get warnings ahead of time and yeah. then we find out the executive sold stock that's the kind of thing that people will demand a claw back on and i wouldn't be surprised if indeed that money is taken back yeah i've also been struck by the media all over America and private and you know individuals writing in thinks that that the depositors in SVB should have gotten a haircut on all this. There's some there's some real angry reaction to that. Like these guys got special treatment because they're in Silicon Valley. Have you noticed any of that? I mean, a little bit, yes. I think I did read something recently that something like the last 73 bank failures or bailouts or whatever you call them, everybody did get their money back. So that's yeah. not unique. Uh, but it's also not unique to say, hey, why these guys? Uh, yeah. And But also, how would you have done it differently? Would you have given the startups their money, but not the VCs because the VCs are rich? Would you have given the nonprofits their money, but not the successful startups? I don't know how you would have done that. But I do understand the feeling of, look, just down the road, we have people flooded out of their homes, flooded out of their farms. Where's the bailout for them? And yet these people who are starting companies yeah. uh, and banked wrong and invested wrong are made good on all of their money. I, I totally get it. Well, you know, last week when we did our in-depth analysis of this, you notice I was ambivalent. You know, I, I don't like special treatment for anybody like that. But at the same time, I don't want to kill Silicon Valley 
and the entrepreneurial, you know, goose that get laid the golden eggs after for 50 years, take that out too. And that would have a devastating effect on the economy. So, you know, this is a messy one. And I, I'm not sure where even morally I come down on it. So anyway, um, some other items before we go. Block, which used to be called Square Inc., uh, they see they claim to have developed a frictionless and magical financial technology. Well, one investment research firm is is saying that focuses on short selling, saying it's all a fraud. The government should be investigating this. They filed under the Freedom of Information Act. It's like Jack Dorsey tried to get away from all this, and now it's you know once you're in the game, you, they never let you out. So. All of a sudden, his other company, his other high flyer, flyer is now immersed in a scandal, apparently, at least short term. Right. You may know this because you may know Cash App, a very popular way of uh, you know exchanging money and, and that sort of thing. And that's what this short seller called Hindenburg is attacking. And when Hindenburg looks at you and looks at your books, they don't mess around. They come with knives out and you'll look at Block's stock price and it got keel hauled on Thursday when this happened. And square. So when a leading short selling firm comes out with that kind right. of information, yeah, you're well, getting short sold. Right, and and Block is saying predictably, hey, these these guys are short sellers of our stock. What are they going to say? We're going to counter sue them, and this could be kind of a juicy battle because Cash App is very popular, Square is very popular, and if it does turn out that there's some sort of uh, legal wrongdoing here, I mean, goodness, do these guys do these apps go away, um, or is the stock a bargain because it took such a big dive when the short sellers jumped in if Block wins the battle. So I think this will be watched closely for a while. And you're right. I mean, Jack Dorsey just can't get out of the way of this stuff. Well, and there's one claim that uh, is a little bit disconcerting, saying they they phonied up their numbers of users. That's criminal. So oh. that should be interesting. All right. Well, has there been a worse year for Silicon Valley? I mean, the last 12 months. It started with Elizabeth Holmes and you standing in the cold and rain in front of the courthouse. We have the scandals at Stanford. We have Silicon Valley Bank going down. Meta just lays off more thousands of people. I mean, what are they, over 20,000 now? And I, the same woman said to me, I don't know any young people that want to work for Meta. And she says, it's just it's lost it's it's lost all of its luster for a lot of reasons and so that and now we've got silicon valley bank we've got all sorts of other stuff this is the valley has taken a tremendous shot in the last 12 months to his reputation and i think people are beginning to wonder maybe this whole electronics revolution wasn't worth it maybe you know they forget the fact they're doing it looking it up on their computer but nevertheless the idea that Silicon Valley is this golden place where, you know, they just hand you pots of money and you go out and change the world. I think we're losing that image rapidly. We are. And all of those things that you mentioned, I think, have one thing in common, and that is greed. And that's what Silicon Valley is seen as right now. And that's never good. Uh, and I, I think Silicon Valley desperately needs to make some moves to counteract that. And Mark Zuckerberg is not making those moves. Elon Musk is not making those moves. Uh, I don't know anyone right now, certainly the leadership in Silicon Valley Bank did not make those moves, neither did Sam Bankman-Fried. These are leaders who have all flown too close to the sun and are getting punished for it. 
And you're right. So is the Silicon Valley reputation. And it can turn around, but it has to turn around because right now it's in tatters. Well, the VC is not giving out any money and no IPOs. It's hard to picture an exciting new startup appearing on the scene in the next few months to galvanize our thinking and make us feel optimistic and forward-looking again. Well, but look, the one thing that's really red hot right now is AI. And everyone's getting excited because now you can plug in your AI, you can check your AI, you can use visual images. And yet, here's something just eminently misusable. <laughs> and <laughs> that's, again, Silicon Valley creating something that almost instantly is monetized to the hilt and people are being accused of greed and accused of mucking things up again and taking away jobs and oh my goodness ai is going to eat the world i think everything is an overreaction but silicon valley deserves this because it's just not doing things in it's a not the thoughtful same, it's way not the same valley it's not the same valley you, you didn't mind people getting really rich because they changed the world and they were obsessed with the new technology this seems to have been turned on its head now let's well, Meta is the perfect, right, Facebook is the perfect example. Hey, they're bringing people together. Look at all that, how great that is. Cambridge Analytic approved, oh wait, they're making money by taking the data of people who do not know that their data is being taken and selling it without their consent. And that's pretty much been the blueprint ever since and people are sick of it. Yeah. Okay, finally, while we're talking about AI, Wall Street Journal had a nice feature today saying that workers embrace chat GPT despite their boss's fears. And I thought, you know what? I was before I had my newspaper career, I worked in PR at Hewlett Packard. Having seen the way that most engineers write, I'm glad for Chat GPT. <laughs> at least it'll make the draft I got more coherent than the ones I got from human engineers. So, you know, at the bottom line, it's kind of welcome in some ways. It'll probably wreck our brains completely, like everything else has, including TikTok, of course. But for now, I think it's improved the quality of corporate communications. I don't know. I think there are some good things that can happen with this. It may improve search, and we know search changed everything for us. AI has been positive. The example I like to use is Google Translate, which got better through the years as we entered more foreign right. languages in there and, and asked it to look up more things. Uh, but as we know, it's already pumping out images that are wrong. It's pumping out information that's wrong. It's, it's threatening people with their jobs. I think it's early in this game and it's sort of like everything else. Is Silicon Valley going to do this thoughtfully or is it just going to chase dollars and do further damage to its reputation? I don't have any argument with that at all. I think you're dead. Okay, folks, that's it for now. You can find us on the Silicon Valley Business Journal homepage, as well as on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, LinkedIn, and YouTube. Have a great weekend. You in the Valley uh, start uh, nailing everything down again because the next, because uh, the river, the atmospheric river, number 12 is on its way. Uh, take care. Bye-bye.